The opinions expressed in the following program are provided for general information purposes only and should not be construed as advice from CJAD 800 or Bell Media. The following is sponsored content. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller-Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Good evening. Welcome to today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business, presented by FL Montreal. I'm Dan Delmar with Josh Miller. How are you, Josh? Hello, Dan. Welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you. I had a, we had, yeah, we had a few weeks yeah. off. You had a bit of a February, March break? A February, March break. I did end up in Vegas. I didn't donate any funds there, so that's Great. a good thing. I didn't see too much downside from COVID-19 travel, so mm -hmm. not too bad, and I came back all healthy. Good. At least you look healthy. You're presenting healthy, which is good. There you go. Uh, well, let's let's start there because there was so much panic today, and we, we know we're not a financial advisory show. Um, I'm sure the the experts will have some more to say about that uh, in the 7 p.m. slot later this week on CJD. But in the meantime, wow! I mean, it is a nervous time for business owners. Josh, um, can you give us some basic advice for those of us who are looking at 2020 right now and going, "Oh my God, how do I prepare for a possible recession?" Uh, well, I guess the question is what what part? You know, if you're, I'm not going to talk about the financial markets. That's that's not what uh, our expertise is here. Uh, certainly, from a business standpoint, uh, I'm almost going to say, you know, I don't want to say who cares about coronavirus, COVID nineteen, but the reality is you should plan for any aspect of potential attack, or you know, you could get a cyber attack probably more easily than you could get affected by coronavirus, uh, at least within your within your team. So I think it's a question of always being at the ready regardless of. Now this is probably a reminder that you could that you could, you know, be a little more prepared. But what are what are some of the things that that kind of pop into my mind? I guess always ask for an umbrella on a rainy on a sunny day. So if your business is doing well, regardless and things are going great, well then let's make sure that, you know, you have that line of credit set up for the times that you need it when you when something unexpected happens. Let's say there's also the, you know, do you have, do you rely on one supplier? Do you have several suppliers? Do you only rely on China or should you rely should you look at Cambodia, Vietnam, Thailand, Montreal, you know, Canada and always have that 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 kind of options or risk spread out a little bit so that things don't come to the forefront uh, you know or when, when a crisis happens expenses you know it's easy when you're making money and things are going great you don't always analyze all your expenses properly but maybe you need to maybe that's the time that say hey you know what we're doing well but maybe we can be a little more efficient maybe we can we can prepare ourselves or God forbid something happens like what's happening now, or even like what happened with the with the the rail block rail blockades. You know, people weren't getting their their supplies either by train. So that forget the coronavirus that had an impact in and of itself. So it's and of course it's not that you can ever predict that it's going to happen, but if you can prep yourself, if you can create a strong core, a strong equity, a strong value, a strong uh, understanding of your expenses, a strong, you know, your supply, understand and, and make sure your supply chain is is really quite diverse to the extent possible because every business is different and you want to develop relationships. It's kind of counterintuitive because you want to develop great relationship with your suppliers so you stick to the, to the core, yet you want to have enough diversity that it's not going to affect you if something bad happens. So you, re you really, every business kind of stands on its own. 
You mentioned that line of credit. I was going to ask you about that specifically because it's such an important insurance policy for a lot of business owners. And now, I believe, is the cheapest time to get one in, in a while. Well, the, listen, the, the rates are low. There's no question. Uh, again, I'm, you know, I'm not going to predict rates going out. I'm not in that field necessarily. But the rates are fairly low. And if, if business was good because 2019 was pretty decent and, and there's still some effects to come, it, then maybe you need to say, hey, I don't need it now. But my numbers, my ratios are, are all you know pretty good. Maybe I should ask for it. But of course, when you ask for it, you do have to be prepared. You know, then we come back to business plan. Say, okay, so you know, why are you asking for it? What's coming up? What's the project? Uh, and sometimes, depending on how much you ask for, there's a lot of other documents that come with it. But you know, again, if you if you don't need it today, but you can get it, it doesn't cost you anything uh, or very little to set it up. Why wouldn't you? The Harvard Business Review, HBR.org, has a piece on leading your business through the coronavirus crisis. And one part that I thought was really uh, worth repeating was constantly reframe your understanding of what's happening. So more than tracking what's going on and reading uh, qualified experts, updating that information uh, on a regular basis. Not every day. You know, don't panic about it and check constantly, but check often enough to keep informed. Absolutely. And, and I would say, you know, there's so much panic out there and, and the media, not to say anything too bad, but, you know, sometimes sensationalizes or always mentions the, the worst of things. Uh, so it's also kind of filtering what's out there. But for, for me, uh, I think it's the communication, the response that needs to be balanced, uh, you know, amongst your entire business environment. You know, make sure you're, the communications that you have with your employers, your employees, your suppliers, your customers, make sure that that's clear and try to, you know, avoid them feeling a little more anxious or trying to appease them to whatever's possible. Make sure you kind of understand your employees' needs because you could have a room of 50 people and, you know, 40 of them feel, you know, 45 of them are perfectly okay and, and normal. And there's five of them that are like really anxious and nervous and that could spread. So kind of be, be aware of, of, of what your employees are feeling and how they're acting because it does affect how they perform as well. Travel, if you have a lot of travel in your business, you might want to create a a policy of some sort. And then, of course, the topic that we've spoken about many times, working from home, remote working, tele telecommuting. That is, you know, I would say a lot of businesses forget the coronavirus has already, have already been getting into that stage, but now is a time where it really becomes potentially that much more important. Uh, we talked about supply chain already, and the, these are all parts of the article that uh, that we read in, in HBR. Uh, supply chain, that uh, can't, can't, overstate managing your supply chain. Uh, anything could happen in the world. Uh, we've seen it time and time again, whether it was uh, Trump's international affairs, coronavirus, blockades on the rail line, uh, you know, it, it on, you know, terrorist acts uh, around the world. Uh, you just, just have no idea. So it, it's really trying to make sure as an employer, as an owner, that you kind of capture all this information and communicate it in the right fashion that keeps people at ease, helps your business run smoothly, and every you know things can kind of move ahead. I know it's way easier said than done. I get all that, but at least if you can attack it or think about it proactively, there's a chance that you might miss out or, or at least gain a little bit of positivity from it. Okay, and uh, lastly, speaking of business leaders, uh, Bill Gates and Elon Musk demonstrating two very different approaches to dealing with the coronavirus crisis. They they both very different, and I'll, I'll kind of kind of just take the the excerpts of what they they responded to to COVID nineteen. Musk, he came out and said, "The coronavirus panic is dumb." 
okay, it's Musk, you know, he's, he's an extremist in his statements. And Bill Gates came out and essentially said, well, I hope it's not that bad, but we should assume that it is until we know otherwise. So you have one that is the extremist, and, and I think Musk afterwards came out and explained his statement because I guess somebody told him or he realized that it was a little too... The PR people. A little, yeah. Oh, yeah, a little too <laughs> categoric in, it, in, it, in its message. Uh, but it, it really too... And it just it just exemplifies or shows you that two leaders that can have totally different viewpoints of what's going on and one, you know, kind of puts people a little more at ease and makes them feel a little more comfortable and hopefully keeps them going in their job in a relaxed and and performant manner. And the other one is like, holy crap, get out of the building because it's on fire. And I don't know if that was really the the most beneficial. If you're thinking as an owner in your own team, is that really the most beneficial for, for the group? Speaking of leadership, uh, this from Inc.com, five unforgettable leadership lessons from the, quote, manager of the century, Jack Welch. She's the General Electric CEO. I'll read them real quick, uh, Josh, if you like. Yeah, and, uh, and, you know, he passed away uh, nine days ago, so mm -hmm. this this is kind of relevant, and he did did have a, a, a great legacy that he left behind. Uh, number one, ask important questions. Inspire followers, not workers. Uh, number three, set priorities and reset them. Take personal responsibility. And love them to death. And love them to death is, you know, you can take it so many ways, but the reality is what he was trying to say behind that is get out from your desk, get away from your desk and go walk around and talk to people. Show them that you care, show them that you understand the, the audience that's in front of them and and just treat people like they're people. And that's that's what I think, that's what I believe he meant, meant by love them to death. Not in the Me Too stance, of course. Of course. Uh, Prévu 3D is the company being... Pre uh, Nicola Morenzi will join us next. A little later, we'll speak to Natalie Riviere on inbound marketing strategies. Super important in a crisis. You want to get as many of those customers as you can. And coming up next, Nicola on his uh, 3D capture technology business. That is up next. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller-Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by FL Montreal. I'm Dan Delmar, along with Josh Miller this evening, and we welcome our guest into studio this uh, for, for this evening. It's Nicolas Morenci of Prévu 3D. Uh, welcome to CJD, Nicolas. Thank you so much. And uh, I, I guess it, it's not always obvious. Sometimes the names are obvious, sometimes they aren't. So this question is probably really important. The first question of the evening, easiest uh, for, for many. Nicolas, what is Preview, Preview 3D? Okay, well, Preview is a software. Um, our expertise is to leverage all the 3D scanning technologies. So today, I'm, I'm pretty sure people have seen about, like, learn about drones, but there's also laser scanners and there are various ways to capture the world in 3D and in photorealistic 3D. So what we do is we deliver photorealistic 3D model of environments in a software that is easy to use. And we bring a lot of value to the manufacturing industries and other verticals as well. Now, what, what was your background? What did you do building up to this point? Well, honestly, I'm a mechanical engineer. So for some reason, I now own a software company. Naturally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so the project began when I arrived on the market as a mechanical engineer. And I was faced with the hard truth that people are still using a software called AutoCAD, which is like literally drawing lines on a computer. So I was like, no way this is going to be my life. <laughs> so I tended to use existing software to make 3D model the factories 
but it was simply not meant for that. So after looking for a solution, I just decided to build my own. Were you working somewhere else before? Right. So it started in a small engineering firm. Uh, and I had a chance to work with a boss that was super open-minded, and we had a large contract, so I guess it allowed us to spend some money on a project, and th this is where it all began. Tell me about some of the tools you're using. I see you use uh, drones in the 3D mapping as well. Yeah, so um, we use drones. A good example is we captured the whole port of Montreal with a, another startup, which is called Ara Robotic. Basically, we were at first offered a project that was maybe, I don't know, like... A room size but then as any entrepreneur would do i kind of leveraged and said maybe we could capture the actual port of montreal in 3d and it it worked so uh we use drones to capture the whole environment and we deliver it in our software solution now the result of this is that the the port of montreal can then kind of in a digital world, understand or plan the boats or the ships that come in and go out and maneuvering around within their port well, you cannot actually drive a boat because you cannot scan water. That's kind of a technical like, limitation. But uh, they can actually go and visit the environment from remote, take measurements. They could easily take a building and remove it and replace it with a new one. So um, using reality as a canvas brings a ton of value to just about anyone because you're able to tell a story with an environment that you already know. So uh, Port of Montreal is also using it for uh, training their fire and safety department. So they're able, we're able to, with their software, we did the custom uh, functionalities and they're actually able to set fire to any place in the port. So the fire people, they, they know how to deal with that in intervention, like any place in the board. So it, it brings a ton of value for them. So it, it's somewhat newer technology. If I, if I say the term proof of concept, is that do you have to bring that to the table? Do you have, How much proof do you have to give? And maybe we should talk about the first customer that came on uh, as, you were, as you were building your software. Yeah, so um, obviously a proof of concept is very important. Um, in the startup world, we call it like the minimum, minimal viable product. Um, a big part of showing what you can do is much better than just telling. Normally you will see people selling with a PowerPoint but I come. Uh, I always came with the actual product to sell it. So it it led to a first sell to an agroper um, engineer, which led to presenting to the whole group of engineers of agroper back in September 2017. So um, I got lucky, and for some reason that meeting led to building a company, and I'm still running it today. Now, how how many how many people are you in this company? Right now, uh, we just hired a sales guy today, so we're nine, and we're uh, having six new engineers coming in on April 1st. Is it easy to find people? Uh, I believe, you know, off air we were talking about program and, and finding the right the right engineers. Uh, how, are, how are you able to, to find the people that you're working with? It's been super hard to find talented people willing to be paid less than six figures in Montreal in software engineering. Um, I got lucky to find my CTO, which is well-paid and very talented with all the experience in the world. But um, for most engineers, we found our ways in going to Europe. So we go in France because they have extremely hard studies. Mm -hmm. And uh, when they finish their school, uh, they have to do their projet uh, de fin at the end, where in Montreal, you have to do, do it like every three semesters. 
Kind so of like an apprenticeship yeah, uh, period. It's, it's like uh, validation of your uh, like uh, baccalaureate. Right. So this is a nice opportunity for us. So we can leverage grants from the government, go into high quality, like high qualified schools, find the right people, find the passionate people that are uh, doing actually stuff that go beyond their school and just fly them over for eight months. And it's the way we qualify them and we can keep the best one. And, are the, and do they stay afterwards? I mean, I might be still a little soon because you just brought them over. Yeah, well, I, I brought over uh, guys last year and actually those guys are now leading the company and they have stock options with us. So basically I found two extremely talented people that shaped the company we have today. Now, you, you mentioned stock options. Yeah. Is that something that you feel is necessary to attract or to attract talent or retain talent? I wouldn't say to attract uh, because I'm not there yet. Um, obviously, when we get to a later series of financing, we might have to hire key, uh, key people to the company. But I think it's really just to give uh, a recognition or like give them a reason to stay and show appreciation like basically the people that have stock and chip option in the company are like family mm -hmm. so you want them to be able to have a part of the cake when we kind of sell the company at some point we often talk about culture in an office or a, a, a team environment and does did the french culture france french versus the quebec french culture was that an issue or is everybody was fairly young enough and easygoing and did, did that ever was that, did that ever pose a challenge that's a good question um, we try to only ask good questions on the show not political yeah, well, questions josh not no too bad. <laughs> um it was a culture question it wasn't political sure. i mean i just come back from france so that's that's a hard time to ask me that question <laughs> um obviously they don't come from paris um but no um i think we we have a lot of uh, similar values I think we're all people that, that want to be heard. There's a bunch of smart people in the office. So they're worth listening. Opinionated? Opinionated, some some of them, definitely. Some of them don't say, but you, you kind of understand it, yeah. after it, right? Um, but the, the value in the culture is all based on actually being happy at work, um, on like listening to others. Like taking people out for lunch and understanding what they want, so you can kind of bring it back to the office. So, um, so far, that part is the best part. What about retention? Uh, there are a lot of options for engineers in Montreal. A lot of schools, a lot of big engineering companies. Um, how do you how do you keep your employees happy, and how do you keep them at your place? I think we are um, lucky to have such an amazing product and an amazing uh, growth. Obviously, um, we pay extremely good salaries for a startup. So I don't pay my, my guys like peanuts. I try to respect the market and pay them as they are deserved. Um, is there any other way? I don't think so. I mean, if they want to go somewhere else, well, bad for us. So I have a nice office. I mean, <laughs> I don't always make the coffee in the morning, <laughs> but sometimes I do. But there is coffee. But there is coffee. Yeah. Huh? We, we actually have three plants. They're not dead. So okay, that's good. They survived like... So that's good. It's people good. people can breathe in good air that way. <laughs> Hopefully, yes. Hopefully, yes, exactly. Um, ju just to... You know, you went from... You started this company yourself and then you grew it with people. I guess on a, at the beginning with just yourself, you didn't spend too much. But when you needed to attract the right people, you're saying big salaries. Did that require 
a lot of financing? Did you go from like zero to 100 miles an hour? No, no, I'm, I'm mostly conservative. Um, so my biggest key hire was done when I leveraged the final way to sell to the uh, Port of Montreal, the, the model. I knew I had something at hand mm -hmm. and I had no clue how to make it happen. So I had, I needed someone. <laughs> um, Shoot first, ask questions later. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, I think you have to be super careful with money and you don't want to sell. I mean, when you begin, you think 25 grand is much money. And then you're like, this is a week salary. Mm -hmm. uh, so you have to be very careful at first. Today's Entrepreneur on CJD 800. We're chatting with Nicolas Morenci of Prévu 3D. And we'll talk about in-band marketing with our marketing expert, Natalie Riviere, in a little while. Today's Entrepreneur continues here on CJD after the news. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult FL Fuller-Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Josh Miller, all presented by FL Montreal, of course, as usual. And uh, welcome back. And uh, Nicolas Morenci is our guest this evening. Prévu 3D is the company. Uh, they do 3D capturing of uh, workplaces, environments, and uh, then they uh, build on that uh, on that uh, software, on that uh, image. Very interesting company. And uh, Nicolas, uh, should we continue, Josh, with uh, perhaps... Uh, the, the marketing angle? Uh, the, the marketing, but I think it's it's important also where Nicola and Pitybu 3D were kind of operating their business at the beginning. You know, we, we had on a few weeks ago uh, William St. Pierre of Mechasis, and he had a great experience at Centec. And, you know, let's let's chat a little bit with Nicola about Centec and that environment. Like, you know, I guess kind of how did you get into this Centec? Would you call it an incubator, an accelerator? How would you how would you describe it, Nicola? I think incubator is fine. Um I I made my first hundred grands of sales. Then I realized I had something at hand, so I needed help because I was I never planned to build a business, right? So um, I turned down to a friend that I knew was at Santec, and he said you should go talk to Luc Gigard. And I so I went to see him, and the guy is like super rude, and was like you have one minute. <laughs> but then after five minutes, I, I I understood that maybe I had something. Like I catch his attention, so that's good. Um, so I applied for the program. I, as always, I didn't really follow rules, mm -hmm. but for some reason I made it there and it, it was the first class I actually attended really like I did my homeworks. It's a program where you understand all, uh, you're going to have to do as an entrepreneur to kind of make it happen. Um, you're being told hard truth that you have to work super hard and, uh, there's 30 other businesses doing the same thing across the world and only the one that's gonna pull all the efforts is gonna win you know and and like you're saying he kind of gave you a minute even though you took five so let's back up to that moment because <laughs> you know with many entrepreneurs we talk about the pitch yeah you know whether it was on dragon's den for some or whether it's angel investors to others or in this case centec and luke and i guess what do you see or what work what the for you is the do's and don'ts of a pitch I think you should never try to do the perfect pitch you should do your own pitch um, I think when you have a business you're passionate about it it's all you need to do is tell about your your passion and tell about what you have at hand um, for me I never been good at uh, doing a PowerPoint I still have it have them done by someone else I always show up with my computer and actually show the product mm -hmm. and tell my story in this 
this has led to nearly a million dollars in sales. So I guess it works. That's great. What what do you have to inspire people that um, that go into these situations and uh, are having trouble communicating their product to an investor, especially if it's complicated, because there are certain technical things yeah. that, that investors might not understand? Um, I think, like anything, you want to be able to pull it straight, make it obvious. If you need content to make it more obvious, sometimes uh, you have to put the efforts in. Um, I remember there's like the elevator pitch. That's the challenge we have at Santec. Well, if you ever get in an elevator and you have five stories high to go and mm -hmm. there's the guy you have to talk to right next to you, what would you tell him? Like, what would be your story? And this, can, this you can practice it. Did you take, did it take long to develop that elevator pitch for you? Well, it's super hard because it's so selling when I show it. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think practicing... But you don't walk into every elevator with your laptop and <laughs> presentation. <laughs> no, but now videos do work. Yes. Um, so I, I think this is like scan, see, and share came from. So we have three words to describe the company. And this helps a lot for me. Every time I have to make it simple, you scan, then you see, then you can share. This is all we do, basically. So. So from a from a, a marketing standpoint, like how do you, how did the name get? How do you get to your customers? Where how does your business development work? Is it customer to customer? Is that the word of mouth? Have it's, you spent any money, any active money on marketing? And this is where we're we're going. Huh? Mm. Um, at first, uh, it was only referrals, which led to quite big big accounts. Um, but now, uh, for three months, we had outbound uh, kind of guys that do cold call for us. So we looked at all the 100 million plus revenue manufacturing industry in Canada. We have a list of those guys <laughs> and we call them, but we don't call them internally. So that's linked to our hops, but then we have a meeting and then we present like a Zoom or a Skype. And this is how we have turned to a more aggressive sell company somehow. And we're and we're going to tackle that more when we come back, and we're going to have Natalie here. We're going to chat about the HubSpot and the inbound marketing. But be before we get there, um, when you're dealing with your first customer, do you deal with contracts and your customers? Yeah. Your first contracts. I mean, you're you know, as a mechanical engineer, you didn't exactly go study law. <laughs> so, so what what kind of did you learn from out your your first couple of contracts? I think there's a lot to learn especially to protect yourself. Um, you'd be impressed to the amount you can ask for a, a project and people would, won't read anything. But as a small company, you're the one who has to read because you can be in big trouble in no time. Mm -hmm. So um, it's very early in lawyers to make my official contract. And it was super salty. I mean, who would sign that? <laughs> but they it did. was all in your favor. Yeah, but they did. So that's that's. Part um, the value of going and kind of protecting yourself. Because when you're a small business, if something goes wrong, you're just dead. Whereas big companies, well, I mean, they don't mind as much because they have the lawyers already in-house. So other agreements, shareholders agreements, and, and those those type of, of contracts, you, you made sure that you dot your T's and dot your I's? Oh, um, I mean, that's a different story. Um, you're going to spend like, I don't know, two to five grand for a contract for selling your stuff but then you're going to come in in the financing round and you're going to have to do all the big stuff like the grown-up stuff mm -hmm. and then you're going to need a nice name to sign those documents then you're going to realize that 0.1 hour is something you have to pay for 
So I learned the hard way about lawyers. I'm grateful for what they made me do in terms of uh, opportunities for later, protecting the company. I've learned a lot. I read a lot of stuff I didn't get. Uh, but it's impressive. Like, it's crazy amount of money. At first, when you have your first investment, you're like, are you really going to take that all that money from me just for that paperwork? Uh, but down the road, it's, it's it's mandatory. It's It also can protect you and save, I guess it can save money in the end. It saves certain uh, legal battles or, or, or whatnot. Yeah. When, Saving, when they come. Like, it saves you trouble, <laughs> but it costs you money. <laughs> what about your IP? Do you protect your, your intellectual property? Can you? Absolutely, yes. Um, and it's a big it's it's a big part of the fun, I think, for the R&D team to be able to just put their name on their invention. And it's extremely valuable for a tech company like ours. So a big part of our valuation is based on the fact that we have stuff nobody else can do. And at first, stuff we invented. And now stuff that even if we invented, we have to patent. Sorry, other guys. Like, it's our stuff. Um, you also have to leverage between secret sauce and patent because when you're an early tech company, if you're going to write it down on a piece of paper and if, like if, show it to everybody else, it's trouble as well. So mm -hmm. some secrets, some patents. And do you, for you, did you do Canada, North America, worldwide? Where do, where do you feel you need, how far do you feel you need to go or how far did you go to protect your IP? Um, so basically, you're going to file PCT, and you have the opportunity to file it anywhere in the world for the next 24 months. So uh, we're going to see where the fish, uh, we can catch the biggest fish. Uh, so for now, all we applied is we still have the opportunity to choose where we're going. But obviously, U.S., no question asked, Canada, um, Europe, most countries. No, I, I think that's, you know, and, and I, I'd love to, you know, more about Centech because I think it's a great learning ground. Uh, mentors. I guess you had some great mentors from Centech. Incredible mentors. Um, and I think we should note tonight, Pierre Laferriere, which is a big anchor of Centech, is leaving. Uh, he's been the one who created the entrepreneurship program uh, at the ETS. Extremely nice guy. He knows everyone. Uh and he's just supporting entrepreneur. Um, I met so many people at Santec. It's just incredible. I mean, a business is relationships, and Santec is building those relationships. So that's why I said I never really had to do ad marketing or anything because the big clients were coming to see me, and I was introduced by someone that sold his company for hundred million dollars like twenty years ago. So I had credible people talking of good words about my company. So this led to just, I mean, without something, it would be a totally different story. Solid network. Today's Entrepreneur on CJD 800 will have Nicola Morenzi's one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur on the way. And next, Natalie Riviere, our inbound marketing specialist, talks about uh, when marketing meets sales and how to capitalize on your website and newsletter and more. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller-Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and Josh Miller, for today's Entrepreneur, presented by FL Montreal. And uh, we are with Nicola Morenci of Preview 3D here in studio. Uh, 3D imaging software will have his one piece of advice for today's Entrepreneur on the way. But first, we welcome back Natalie Riviere on Inbound Marketing, uh, where marketing meets sales and more. She is of Cometa Communications. Welcome back, Natalie. Thanks so much, Dan. And, and you know, inbound marketing, HubSpot, you know, using it all, it, there's so much information. And so and so to demystify it, Natalie, you know, for the layman that you're staring at right now, <laughs> what, what, what does it all mean? Well, you started with inbound marketing as a tool. Um, that's a particular marketing strategy. The opposite would be outbound marketing. And the name says a lot. And so outbound is like what we're used to. It's called push marketing. It's getting in the face of people before they know they might need you and maybe they don't at all. Inbound marketing is the process of getting found where people are already looking, where people already have a problem that they're looking to solve and the interest is already there. So rather than fishing into a broad pool uh, and no idea what's down there or your odds and getting it, you're really spending your time and your attention and your investment on uh, already qualified, let's say, uh, an area for qualified leads. So it's more kind of making sure that you have, you know, we, we talk about SEO a lot, mm -hmm. you know, search engine optimization, making sure you have the right keywords out there. I almost sound like I know what I'm talking you about too. sometimes. You've, you've brainwashed me well <laughs> or trained me well, I mean, Natalie. Yeah, so uh, but but is, it, is it things like that so that you make sure that your expertise is known online so that when people are searching for their problems, they have an easier chance to find you. Exactly. So with the base concept being get found where they're already looking right now, search engines, 100%, everyone is there for their information at this moment in time. So very, very, very important. What you find often in search engines are a company's social media. Um, there's a reason that they show up first. Um, but And so social media also being an important technique related to search engines but also in general we know how much that uh, guides in terms of customer service and brand conversations um, emails people are in their inbox every day the news media PR and so uh, it's content driven and you mentioned HubSpot and they're the ones who coined the term at almost the beginning of the internet they've been at it for a very long time they offer a free academy and so for anybody wanting to dive in uh, you can go to their website and there's unlimited resources all for free available and they do a great job at it i was about to ask about hubspot by the way uh, i should mention that natalie actually does the marketing for our company because marketers actually do need marketers and there are several aspects technically which i don't understand and hubspot's one of them so what is hubspot and how does it help us great question without uh this being a paid segment for them <laughs> they started off as a marketing software and so they are a platform for marketing where you can run your blogs where you can send newsletters through it uh, they also give you the back-end information on search engines, and they help you customize the content and the information to your different audiences and engage with them through forms. So if you had a website and you wanted to find out the interest or narrow down some leads uh, based on your audience, you would have them fill out a form and then uh, con contact them based on those interests. And so HubSpot is this marketing platform that puts that all together and does the job for you. However, they've also uh, offered now a free CRM, which I highly recommend as another free resource of theirs. CRM stands for Customer Relationship Management, and it's the point where you have those leads, you can track them in a CRM, and then the entire sales process from there can also be recorded and shared through a, a CRM tool. So very important. 
So Nicola from Preview 3D, mechanical engineer that somehow learned a little bit about software engineering, that learned a little about lawyering and making contracts. What are your thoughts on on inbound marketing that you've had to learn over the years? Um, it's a lot to learn. It's a whole like expertise now in the market. It is um, really needed to, to actually succeed in business. What's your company doing with it? We actually have HubSpot um, as well. So... I think they should send us a paycheck after yeah. that. Um, actually, I, I just did a key hire for the company uh, with someone. As, his main role will be to just generate marketing and leads. And there's kind of a recipe to make it happen. And I think she, she knows a lot better than I do. But I, I really recognize the importance of like having the right people and having people actually working on the marketing, ensuring we have inbounds. Because sure, today we do cold calls. So that's outbounds. We do qualify our leads, but if we want to go to do the whole planet as a target, forget about it. I mean, I want to have qualified people that comes to me and talk to me and want to see the product. So. You know, Natalie, is it very business specific or is there some generality to what you can do from an inbound marketing? Yeah, I wouldn't say that it's business specific. If everyone's online now, you need to manage your reputation at the minimum. So regardless if you're selling online or if that's just the place where you are building these relationships that have to do with your business, um, it's relevant to everyone. And um, even if it's, uh, for example, a B2B product, everyone's going to Google you. Everyone is going to check up on you and like want to know who they're getting involved with, whether it's like because they're going to work with you or they're going to be a client or they're going to invest in you. Your reputation is really important. However, these reputation management tools that we have that everyone looks to search engines and social media, we don't own them. We don't control them. We're not in charge of how it works, how long it's going to work. So we want to use them to our advantage to build a return on investment for the uh, business owner and the entrepreneur. How is it? Is it easy to manage is it easy to monitor is it you know definitely reputation online reputation is is huge because you don't want to get turned off it could be negative reviews or or what have you so is there an easy mechanism to kind of follow it online well hubspot is actually in business for that reason they they take all the different pillars of inbound marketing which are your website that has data, free Google Analytics you can integrate, your email marketing that has data, probably the most powerful data in terms of building sales leads. Um, all the social medias give their data. Uh, search engines have a reputation and a ranking that you can look into. So HubSpot uh, puts them all together. And you know, in Nicola's case, he's very lucky. They offer it at a discounted rate for startups. Not everyone. Uh, this isn't necessarily a solution that suits every single budget. And as per his point, you really need the resources to make this valuable. So if your sales are high and you get a return on a lead from HubSpot, it validates spending on that tool. But you really need that sales team to actually be looking at what's happening with this tool. There are other solutions, though. Exactly. And that's sort of what I've specialized in is like making this accessible for entrepreneurs and small businesses. So you can get the data from your website, get the data from your social media channels, get the data from like free based open source, like even email marketing tools. And then we take the meaningful metrics from those tools. It's not everything. There's a lot of information, but specific points are very, very powerful to consider when you're building marketing strategies. And so we uh, kind of navigate through and keep your attention and your time on where the demand is and where your opportunities truly lie. And, uh, and, and I know it's tons of information to go through and you really have to kind of 
sift through it to make sure that like, you get that meaningful direction that, that you can take. Thank you very much, Natalie. Uh, always fun and interesting and pretty demystifying, although I'm occasionally confused by it. Um, but thanks so much, Natalie, for You're sharing so that welcome. with us. You're so welcome. Thank you. And as we do at the end of each uh, at the end of each program, we'll turn to our guest, Nicolas Morancy of Preview 3D. And not that he's prepared this at all, but Nicolas, <laughs> what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur? I think if you ever consider going for building a business and um, you have something you think will bring value, um, please give your chance like to be committed to the project like 100% for a year. And even if the money's not going to come in, maybe, and that's going to be cr a crash, like most, most startup fails, you're going to learn so much and you're going to bring so much value to your life, to your network, that is going to be all worth it. Excellent. Thank you very much, Nicolas. Uh, Dan, my, my quick takeaway, um, slightly underlined throughout, is, you know, Nicolas, you know, learned as much as he could, but knew what he didn't know and went to the experts and went for help when he felt he needed it. And I think that's that's a, a great lesson for any entrepreneur to follow. And another great young entrepreneur of the Centec program, another uh, tech incubator here in Montreal. It's really great to see. So, Nicolas, best of luck, and thanks for stopping by. Thank you so much. And thanks to Nelly Riviere as well. She'll be back on today's Entrepreneur soon. And next week, Trois Femmes, Un Cousin, so how to set the perfect dinner table. Uh, next week on Today's Entrepreneur, Monday at 7. We'll see you then. And don't forget todaysentrepreneur.org for over a decade worth of entrepreneur profiles. We'll see you back here next Monday night. Good night. The opinions expressed in the preceding program were provided for general information purposes only and should not be construed as advice from CJAD 800 or Bell Media. The preceding was sponsored content.